Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message continues our series one with Pastor Omar Lopez in a message entitled One Piece of the Puzzle. Hey, now, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount and then check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com loaded with tons of information, constantly being updated. Enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome, everyone. We're glad you're here this morning. Appreciate your generosity to the Lord. Are you glad you're in the house of God today? I am so glad you're here. We welcome everyone online and uh, those that are here in person. What a wonderful time in the Lord, wonderful worship to the Lord. In fact, turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're in the right place at the right time, right now. I believe that today. We're, I'm looking forward to what the Lord's going to do and looking forward to ministering this message I'm going to go as quickly as I can this morning and uh, believe the Lord uh, to help us. And uh, again, I, I appreciate all the prayer from my mom. She's in the hospital, if you haven't heard. Uh, my mom's 86 years old. Uh, she'll turn 87 in nine days. Uh, but we need to pray for her. She has COVID and, uh, you know, there has been some improvement. But we, we believe that God, the God of miracles this morning. And so... Um, we're going to pray for her, and I'm going to pray over my message in just a moment. And I, I want to say to you that one person can make a difference. One prayer can make a difference. One choice, one thing that you can do can change everything. That's what we've been talking about this month. That's what I'm going to talk about today. And I'm going to read a verse of Scripture. I'm going to pray uh, over the message. I'm going to take a moment to pray for my mom. If you'll help me pray. Uh, that'll be a blessing as well. So I'm going to read this verse of scripture out of 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. And a familiar verse of scripture, if you've never read it, the tremendous story that I want to focus on today. It says, Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man and the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. It says he was also a mighty man of valor. What that means is he was a warrior. He was courageous. He was brave. But, it says, he was a leper. He had leprosy. Then it says in the very next verse, it says, And the Syrians had got, gone out in raid. In other words, they were raiding other villages and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. They enslaved this little girl. And she waited on Naaman's wife. There she was. She was like her personal maid. Then she said to her mistress, the wife of Naaman, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, we thank you for the word of God is so precious Lord, today, we know that the word applies to us in 2021, that it's never outdated. People think it's old-fashioned. People think it doesn't apply. But God, your word is so relevant today than ever before. I pray that you would open our hearts, remove every distraction and so many things on our mind today. I pray today, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit would speak in the lives where we're at today. And Lord, we also today pray for my mom. We pray, God, for healing. Lord, we pray against this virus. 
We pray for the miracle of God, even as we're going to speak about miracles today. We declare your word, and I pray today that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, I'll tell you what, what a wonderful presence of the Lord here today. Let me ask you a question. How many are familiar or how many enjoy jigsaw puzzles? Anybody here enjoy the jigsaw puzzles? And you ever had a puzzle like in your family where everybody, uh, little by little, they begin to build that puzzle and, and then to see that? I remember my uncle would always have a, a puzzle when I was young and we would go down there and we, and man, there was like a thousand pieces, man. Those things were so complicated. And the thing about puzzles is the wonderful thing about puzzles, once you assemble them, whether they're a, a landscape or a building or something, they look so beautiful. And how many know that every piece matters? Otherwise, it doesn't look right. So this morning, I, I, want, uh, I want you guys to bring some puzzles up here. Uh, those guys, that whoever they were, come on, guys, move quickly. Let's get these puzzles up here. Who are those guys? Uh, and uh, apparently, nobody's moving, and I need you guys to move. I need you to move to bring the puzzles up here, right here. I need two volunteers. Do we have any volunteers? I need two volunteers to assemble these, these puzzles right here. And um, it's a pretty quick puzzle here. We have any volunteers right here, Sylvia? And, and okay, Dan the man, come over here. All right. So before you start, okay, no cheating, don't look at it yet. Okay. We're gonna see how fast you can build these puzzles. Put this puzzle together, okay? And whoever wins will give you a prize, Starbucks card. Is that all right? Now I want to tell you there there is the record on how fast you can put it together. So I want to see if you even. Get close to the record, and it's by a 10-year-old, so hopefully you're not embarrassed by them. I'm kidding. I, I made that whole story up. Doesn't it sound good? It, I made the whole story up, okay? No, there is no record. We just want you to put it together. So at the count of three, I want you guys to try to put this puddle together. Ready? Let's cheer them on. One, two, three. Go for it. Let's do it. Put this puddle together. And even if you finish, even if, you, if you're not done first, I want you to continue to put it together. Doesn't matter. Don't stop putting it together. All right. Hey, we're working. We're working it. Yeah. I'm telling you, my granddaughter was moving faster than you guys. No, I'm just kidding. You guys are doing good. You're doing really well. Let's cheer them on. Let's cheer them on, guys. Come on. You're, you're working it. You're working. I know. I get hard. Usually I put the ends of it together first. I try to put around the, the border, right? That's how we kind of do it. So if I can give you guys a little tip, put the border ones first. That might help. Uh, yeah, there you go. You're, you're almost there. You're almost there. How, how, how long are we at, guys? Anybody timing them? Anybody time? Don't stop, though. Don't stop. Don't stop. E even if you don't finish first, I need you both to complete the puzzle. I need you both to complete this puzzle. Okay, yeah, it's, it's kind of complicated there. I get it, I get it. You're almost done. You're, al you're almost done. Keep going, keep going. Okay, Dan's done. Okay, let's see. Put, no, put it there. Keep going, keep going. Keep going. Okay, keep going, though. We, we don't want you to stop. All right, there you go. We don't want you to stop. Dan, hold up yours. Sylvia's still working on hers. And there, there it is. It's okay, Sylvia, just keep working it. Don't worry about it. So what is that anyway, by the way? 
Well, that's a little dinosaur thing right there. And, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Somebody, some, somebody help Sylvia a little bit here because I, 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 my illustration is starting to fail right now. My illustration is starting to fail, so I need you guys. Here's what we're going to do, though. We're going to give both of them a Starbucks card. Where's the Starbucks card at? Come on, guys. Let's move. Let's give Dan a Starbucks card. And, and let's give Sylvia a Starbucks card. Let's put it, put it in there. Okay. Ho okay, hold it up. Hold it up. I want you to hold it up, though. Hold, your, hold up yours, Dan. So she's missing a piece. She's missing a piece. Give them both a hand today. Come on. You can put them back up there. That's all right, guys. Thank you. You can be said, thank you. I appreciate that. What, what I want to say to you today, uh, you know, we're having a little bit of fun here this morning. And what I want to say to you is every piece makes a difference. And as you can see, this, this particular puzzle over here had one missing piece. And when you miss a piece, it, doesn't, it just doesn't look good, does it? And I want you to know that every single one of you here in this building, you're a vital piece to somebody's life. You're a vital piece right here. And many times we think we're not very significant. And I want to share a story with you where there's a very insignificant person, yet she is the missing piece to a miracle that is about to happen. In fact, because of her, she is the prerequisite of a miracle that's about to take place. But when you begin to read her story, this little serving girl, she doesn't seem very significant. She doesn't seem to be part of anything. In fact, the Bible says uh, she is a slave. She's this nameless serving girl. Many scholars believe that she's between the age of 10 and 12. And we only have a few verses about her life. But I want you to know there's more in this story than meets the eye. And it's a very significant story because I want you to know she's the missing piece to Naaman's miracle. Without her life, without her being there... She doesn't fulfill, or Naaman doesn't get the miracle that he's about to get. He doesn't get the miracle that he's wanting. And we're going to read into this story, and here's what she says. She makes this statement. She said, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. The New Living, by, the New Living Translation said, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. Again, there's only a few verses of scripture, yet her contribution to the story is carried out throughout the chapter of 2 Kings chapter 5. She is so significant. And what I want to say to all of us this morning, that regardless of your position in life, Regardless of your title, regardless of your accolades, regardless of your accomplishment, I want you to know you are an important part, an important piece of God's will and his destiny in your life. See, a lot of us this morning say, well, you know, I'm not that significant. And many times I can even be here preaching and telling you that God has the purpose for your life. And God can use your life. And many of you would say, yeah, yeah, I agree. But in our minds, we're making excuses of why God can't use us. 
We're saying, well, pastor, until I get to this place in my life, until I meet this particular or have this particular title, or unless I get to this particular place in life, then I can make a contribution. But until then, I can't do it. Until then, you know, I'm not very, very important. I, I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough power and authority to make a difference. And I'm here to tell you that is the lie from hell. Now, how many of us here, don't raise your hand, okay, I don't, I don't want, don't raise your hand, but how many of you here play the lottery? Now, don't raise your hand, okay, but how many of you have ever, ever played the lottery and you say to yourself, if I win the lottery, I'm going to buy my mama house, I'm going to buy my daughter this, I'm going to give the church, I'm going to buy the church a building, how many, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Because we, we've, we've all probably said that. And I know nobody here plays the lottery. Some, I know there's, nobody, there's usually down the church, down the street, the people play there. But I know that none of you here play the lottery. But just in case you did, you probably say to yourself, man, if I could just play the lottery, and if I could just win that one million or that mega million. I think I've seen in the news, there's like this mega million. I don't know how much it is. And right now, people are like, whoa, if I could just win that, what I would do. And, and, and many of us, we do that. And here's what I want to say to you. I mean, it's fun to think about that, but that's most of us in life. We're always saying, when this happens, when I have this much, then I can make it effect. And right now, I'm just limited in my effect. I'm limited in my impact because I don't have this. And I want you to realize something, that this little girl, she simply was the maid. She wasn't very significant, and especially back in that culture, the maid was the lowest in the totem pole. In other words, she didn't have a voice. She wasn't a very important person at all. And here, this little girl, she's serving this um, uh, the master's wife. She had been taken captive, and she decides that she's going to say something. She's been brought back captive. She's enslaved. This is human trafficking way back in the Old Testament. We don't know her name. We don't know anything about her background. If you went into the palace where this general lived, she would probably be seen cleaning the house, washing the dishes, not being a very important person. She didn't have a title, yet it was her voice that God decided to use that day. She was the missing piece of the miracle that God was about to do. See, I'm here to tell you that regardless of your age, regardless of your title, regardless of your position in life, right now, even at your job, you're not the supervisor, you're not the manager, you're not the jefe, you're not the, you're not the boss, you're not the main guy right now. You may say, man, until I get to that place, then I'm going to make a difference, then I'm going to make impact until I get promoted to this title, until I get promoted to this position, then I'm going to have and make a difference in somebody's life. But I'm here to tell you that you can't, you don't, if you're going to wait for that, you're going to be waiting a long time. This young girl was just a captive. She was a slave. She didn't have any influence politically. She didn't have any influence uh, uh, militarily. She didn't have any influence 
socially. She didn't have a social platform on Facebook. She didn't have a Twitter account. She didn't have an Instagram account. She wasn't saying what was on her mind like a bunch of you do on Facebook. She didn't have any of that, but I want you to know the impact of her life caused a miracle to happen because your life can make a difference. One person can make a difference. See, we think, man, and when we read her life, or when we read about her, we, we, we don't even know her name, but she's remembered throughout this chapter. Because if you take time, don't read it now, but go home and read this chapter. She makes the, she's the missing piece to a miracle. See, most of us, or many of us, would feel like, you know, I'm just an invisible person. No one's listening to me. My life isn't really making a difference. You know, uh, how could my voice make a change? Usually we're saying that person, the more popular one. How many of you know, so some, some many times we say, you know, I'm not, I'm not that outgoing, outgoing as that person. And so we often think the catalyst to a move of God, the catalyst uh, of something great happening has to be someone that's popular. You know, those people in high school, you know, uh, the most popular, you know, the most best dressed. Remember all those? I didn't get any of those things. I, 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 I wasn't even nominated to none of those things. You think about that. I wonder where those people are today, but that's another question. But here, here we are. You know, we often think that the catalyst to something great happening has to be those most popular people. And until I get this title, until I get this position, then I can do something. But it blows my mind often in the word of God how God would use the less likely, the most unlikely people to cause a miracle to happen. Can you say amen? And so we need to learn a lesson from this servant girl. She had no influence whatsoever, no power, and yet she had the greatest impact in this story. Most of us will make excuses and say, well, you know, uh, I have so many limitations. Can I tell you something? Let God take away those limitations. Let God take away those excuses. Let God take away all of those things in your life that you think, man, I can't do it. God sees you. He knows who you are. You are a significant piece. You are the one missing piece to the puzzle of God working and doing great things on the earth and in your family and where you live. Second thing, I want you to write this down. This little girl offered hope in a hopeless situation. Think about it. She was just a slave. And if you were a slave during that time, most likely you would be a slave the rest of your life. It wasn't likely that at some point you were going to gain your freedom, especially the way this nation went in and raided the Israelites and took away this little girl. And basically, uh, this little girl was in a hopeless situation, yet even in her hopeless situation, she was offering hope to another hopeless situation. You would think, man, if I have any hope, I'm going to use it on me. I'm not going to use it on you. And yet this little girl's there, and she's a slave. She's going to be uh, there for the rest of her life, and she is, she's enslaved to her enemy, and yet here she is offering hope not only to a person but to her own enemy. Who would do that? Who would do that, especially in the day and age that we live in now? It seems like, man, anyone can become your enemy so quickly as soon as they disagree with you, right? 
It used to be you could disagree, we could agree to disagree. But today, as soon as oh, you don't agree with it, especially politically, my gosh, I didn't know so many of you were so political in my whole life. My goodness. Really over politics? Well, politicians don't care a dime about you, but I know a God that cares about you. <laughs> That's another story, but I'll preach on here. Second Kings chapter 5, it says, And the Syrians had gone out on rage and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. Again, she waited on Naaman's wife because I want you to catch this story. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. See, the Bible says that this general, as great as he was, as much accomplishment, as many accomplishments that he had in his life, he had leprosy. And leprosy during that time, not in today's time, but during that time, biblical leprosy was basically a death sentence. It was just a matter of time before you were going to die. If you had leprosy, it was the disease that eventually was going to catch up to you, your body, your, your skin began to deteriorate, it began to turn white, different parts of your body would begin to rot. And most people, that the, the common leopard during that time was separated or isolated from all of their family. They, they had what they called leper colonies. And you wouldn't see your family. Nobody, nobody wanted to be around you. They were afraid of you. They were afraid they might catch it, kind of like today with COVID. You know what I'm saying? It was that kind of thing. And, and so people didn't want to get near you, so they separated you. Now, here is Naaman the general. He probably, because of his position and status, they didn't do that to him. Or maybe he hid his leprosy very well. We don't know. But either way, he was. the Bible says he was the leper. It's pointing that out to tell us that, that there was something going on. He had this disease, and eventually it would kill him. And although this guy had all the wealth and although he had all the position, he was sick with leprosy. Have you ever met anyone with health problems? Do you know someone now that has them? Do you have some right now? I can tell you all the money in the world isn't worth more than your health. You would trade in a second all the money you have. You would give up all your wealth just to be well again. I can imagine that's what was going on in Naaman's life. He didn't care about all the position. He was just hoping that some way he could be healed of his leprosy. Because when you're sick like this man was, it overshadows everything in your life when you're this sick. It overshadows all the things that are going on. And I'm sure in Naaman's case, uh, all the honor, the Bible said he was an honorable man. He was uh, well positioned. I'm sure all of those things didn't mean anything to him because he was sick and because he had a disease. And you can imagine uh, the household, the atmosphere in the household. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where somebody's been sick a long time. The atmosphere in the household, it's kind of like the sickness hovers over the entire household. 
You ever been there? You ever been in a household like that when it's supposed to be a joyous time, when it's supposed to be a, a time of celebration? No one's celebrating. No one's having great joy because of this sickness and this atmosphere that's hovering over the house. It's this weight of emotion. And this is what was going on here. And I'm sure this little girl can sense it. This is why she probably spoke up. She realized that this disease and this sickness was hovering over the house and maybe even on the mind of this woman that she was serving, the wife of Naaman, that she finally said, I've got to say something. Thank God. Somebody's got to say something. Your voice matters. And here's this little girl. She's seen this. She's sensing all that's going on. Perhaps uh, this uh, wife was thinking, one day my husband is going to die. Maybe, maybe not only of leprosy, but who knows? He might die at war. So she never knew when her husband was going to die. And, and I'm sure that he has heard many words of sympathy. And this little girl says something, but she offers more than sympathy she offers hope, hallelujah. Because most people, they offer words of sympathy. I'm sure he knew, or I'm sure people came around him and offered words of sympathy. He knew the drill. He knew all of these things. He was the brave man, but this sickness had him, and he had no hope, so to speak. And this little girl says, I know someone that can heal you. I know where you can go to get this healing. This servant girl become the hero in the story. See, again, I believe God uses the very unlikely to be the hero. In fact, the entire Bible, if you really want to read it, if you really read it, the entire Bible is the underdogs are the hero. Little David beats up uh, or, or kills the giant, right? Rahab the prostitute is the one that allows the, 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 the spies to come in. Remember all of that? The, the woman at the well who's, who, uh, who's been married five times, she brings revival. The very unlikely are the ones that God used. The children of Israel who are just a bunch of farmers with pitchforks, they become warriors and they conquer nations because God uses the very unlikely to be the heroes in God's kingdom. And so here's this little girl. She's very insignificant. In fact, she's the person that we wouldn't even pay attention to, yet she not only offers sympathy that day, she offers hope. And I'm here to tell you today, every one of us, we may not have the title, we may not have the position, but we have one thing the world doesn't have, and that's hope. His name is Jesus, and he's the one that heals the broken heart. He's the one that is the missing piece in people's lives. And she said that this way. I love the way she said that if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. Can you imagine if you were Naaman and your wife came and told you what this little girl said? I mean, man, when you've been used to being thick, when you've been used to being uh, uh, walking around knowing that at some point uh, you're going to die, for someone to say, you know what? Things can change. I have the answer. Could you imagine what it did in his life? The moment that he heard that, 
And yet here, this little girl, think about it. She had every reason to hate the general. That was her enemy. It was because of him she was captive. It was because of him she was a slave. Think about that. Your arch enemy has come and enslaved you. And now you're a slave the rest of your life. And you see that they're sick. And yet you turn around and instead of coming against your enemy, you're giving hope to your enemy. Man, when I read this story, I'm going, oh my goodness, I can't believe that this little girl is offering hope uh, to a man that has brought her in captivity. Think about this. We don't even know how she got to, uh, we do know that she was enslaved and she got to this palace, but we don't know all the situation. The Bible said that they raided Israel and they brought back this little girl. Now, if you know anything about raids, I mean, I'm sure you've read, you've, you've read things about it. When, when a, an army comes in and raids everything, they're killing people. Because most people, they, they're coming against the resistance. People are not just going to. And so I'm sure maybe they came in the middle of the night. Maybe they came in the early mornings. Well, uh, and all of a sudden, she began to hear the noise outside her tent or wherever she was living, and she could hear the noise, and maybe perhaps her parents were killed. Maybe perhaps her, her brothers and sister died. Maybe her neighbors were killed. We don't know. But we do know she was separated from her family. We don't know, maybe her whole family was taken captive and they were all enslaved and then separated at the auction block. What I'm trying to draw a picture to you, it draw this picture is this little girl had every reason to be bitter and hate, hating her enemy. Not to offer hope. I'm going to offer hate, not hope to you. So here's this little girl. We don't know that when they took her out, she could see all of the dead bodies of people that were resisting. And she's taken to this place, Syria, and she's given to Naaman the general. Now, we don't know if she was given to Naaman the general at the trophy. We don't know if, if he actually bought her, but somehow he ends up and she's working there in his household. And the Bible said that this little girl is serving her, his wife, and when she sees what's going on, she offers some hope. She may have been captive by the enemy, but her faith was not captive. I said her faith was not captive. She may have been enslaved physically, but her faith was not enslaved. She may have been in a hopeless situation, but her faith was filled with hope. See, when I look at her, man, when I look at this story, I said, man, this little girl, how does she have so much faith? And this is what I have to conclude, that this little girl didn't just get her faith by herself. It probably came from her family. How many know children don't naturally believe in God? Children don't naturally have faith. In fact, children are naturally rebellious. You ever been around kids, never been in church? They'll cuss you out in a second. They'll steal your wallet in a minute. It's true. You ever been in a neighborhood like I have been? And man, those little kids, man, they, they learn how to steal wallet. They know how to steal things from you. And they brought up in a family like that. I don't know if you've you ever been in one like that. We'll, we'll pray for you. But anyway, all of those, it's kind of that culture. But obviously, she was brought up in faith. So she had a devout family to faith. And it was imparted into her life. 
Because we see even in a hopeless situation, in an earth-shattering moment, uh, this little girl says, you know what? I still have faith in God. I'm not going to let this terrible tragedy destroy me. In the storms of life, she still had faith because I believe it was imparted into her by her, child, by her, by her parents. See, many, many of us that are parents today, we think we're not making a difference in our children. You are. And what you impart into them, you're responsible for. Are you raising your children with faith in God? Because that's going to be the longevity of their life. Many of us this morning say, I'm not going to make them do anything. Well, it, it's amazing. I'm not going to make them go to church. Well, you make them go to school. You make them do all this, but you're not going to make them go to church. What, what, is that going to hurt them? Oh, my God, they went to church. I destroyed their life. I don't know anyone whose life was destroyed. May a little bit of hope, a little bit of faith in them. Teach them something, impart something godly in their life. She says this, if only my master were the prophet who is she, You know how, what she's really saying in, in the modern English? Oh, how I wish. Oh, how I long. If you could only visit the prophet, you'll be healed of your leprosy. Do you see what I see? It, it's not with the eyesight, but insight. It's not your eyesight, but your insight. It's what you don't hear, see here that moves, that should move you. Because when I read this, I'm seeing something. I'm getting insight to something that, that I would not have responded the way this little girl responded in the circumstances and conditions she was in. She's hoping. She goes, only if you could go. Only She's talking about her enemy. Man, if that was me, let's just be honest. Serves you right to be sick. I can't wait till you die. Man, I'm hoping. Come on, let's just be honest. Man, we'd be mad. We'd be upset. We say, man, you, you brought me. I'm enslaved here the rest of my life. I don't know when I'm going to see my parents. Man, I hope something bad happens to you. Let's be honest. We're not loving our enemies, especially back then. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, man. I hope something bad happens to you. And tell, it probably thinking in her mind, man, I can't wait till you die too, lady, and the whole household dies. But this lady, or this young girl, is the very opposite. Instead of being bitter, she became better. There's only one letter that makes the difference between bitter and better. Bitter has the word I. And I always get in the way of God. But better has E, means eternity, and everybody else. I just made that up. I thought it would be good anyway. So instead of being bitter, we need to be better to be a blessing. Right? Again, I made that up. Bitter, better, and blessing. thought it went together well, but you guys are, you're not with me here. But anyway... Instead of being bitter, you can be better to be a blessing. And this little girl decided not to be bitter, but she was going to be a blessing. She was going to live in self-pity. How many have ever met people that are in self-pity? She wasn't going, oh, it's me. I can't believe it. I can't believe these circumstances. Oh, my goodness. Why me? She wasn't moaning and groaning. Now, hear me. Hear what I'm saying correctly, okay? We can, there are moments where we, we can express that, and you can park there, but don't camp there and live there. 
Are you with me? It could be a, a you know, what do they, they call like a, a yield? You can yield for a moment and keep going. I'm sure she had those moments, but she didn't live there. She didn't park her life there. She didn't camp there. She didn't stay in her self-pity. In fact, instead of feeling, feeling sorry for herself, she's feeling sorry for the master. Instead of having pity on herself, she's having pity on this man. See, sometimes your misery can become your ministry. Could it be that the misery that you're going through right now and the experience that you're going through right now and the things that are happening in your life right now as miserable and, and how miserable they may, they may become the ministry for you to touch somebody else's life and help them along the way. Could it be that? I know we don't like to hear that. But I have found many of my miserable moments have been many of my ministry moments. Many of those times when I was, I felt my life was in misery and bad circumstances and wondering what is going to happen, it became my ministry. Here's what I also want to point out about this little girl. She didn't, she didn't allow racism to come between her and her faith. This was a foreigner. He was a Gentile. He was not Jewish. Especially in our nation today, man. We, instead, of, instead of faith first, we're putting our race first. Oh, no, no. Put Jesus aside. It's all about my race. Who cares about your race? We're all the same race. You're made by God. My goodness. But people, oh, my culture and where I come from. Thank God. You know what? You were made by God. God created you. We're all proud of our culture. I get it. I understand all that. But it's my faith before my culture. And I'm not going to let my culture divide my faith. And here, this little girl refused to allow her race uh, to divide her faith. Uh, and she said, you know what? I'm not going to let politics get in the way. I'm not going to let racism get in the way. I'm not going to let any of those things. Uh, she offered hope to a hopeless situation. She was the missing piece to a miracle of God. Now, here's what I want to say to you. She spoke up even when it wasn't safe to speak up. You know, a slave back then, I got to move real quickly here. If you want to hear the whole sermon, come to the 11 o'clock. I'm giving you kind of a condensed, I'm giving you a condensed summary of the message this morning. Okay, I'm giving you a condensed summary of it. But, but, but what I see in her life is that she was willing to speak up when it was really risky. I mean, back then, if you spoke up and you were a slave, you'd get punished immediately. I mean, you, you, you could die. You could be executed. Nobody spoke to you. And yet she spoke up. And she took a risk. She stuck out her neck because she had hope and she refused to stay silent. Some of us this morning, you could be at work. You could be overhearing a, a, a conversation and somebody needs hope. Maybe, maybe you ought to speak up and say, I'm sorry, I overheard what you're saying. Can I pray for you? I overheard your conversation. You know what? Can I invite you to church? Man, you see someone hurting, you see what's going on in your life, and you say, man, I don't want, you know, God, I don't want to cause a problem. I don't want them to get mad. I want to tell them about the Lord. I know the answer, but, but I'm not sure. They, man, speak up. Speak up. Just speak up. This little girl, she spoke up. And, you know, here's the other risk that she took. 
she not only risked her life, but then she said, I know a prophet in Samaria that can heal you of your leprosy. Can I tell you something? When I read of Elisha's miracles, there are over 27 miracles that he performed. Not one of them did he heal a leper. So how in the world? She said, I know someone can heal. And you know, if I was another servant, you know, on the other side of the room going, he never healed a leper. No, no, not leprosy. He, he yeah. No, not leprosy. Maybe a little cough or something, but not, not leprosy. And she's probably looking at him to shut up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak up. Don't, don't tell me what to do, cause I got, I got a word. Can you say, man? I've got some hope that I gotta give. See, I want you to realize real faith is going to be tested. I'm gonna read this quote. It says, "If you base your faith on lack of affliction." Your, your faith lives on the brink of extinction and will fall apart because of a frightening diagnosis or a shattering phone call. Token faith will not survive suffering, nor should it. Faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. If you haven't gone through anything, your faith doesn't mean anything. This little girl was speaking in faith. She was in some dire circumstances. She was a slave. She was a nobody. She had no title, yet she offers hope to a hopeless situation. And here's what I want to end with today, if I can have uh, the, the musicians come up. She was willing to lend her faith to someone else. When somebody else's faith is low, you need to lend them your faith. Now, you may be saying, is that possible? Can I lend somebody my faith? Yeah, you can. I won't get into the details of this, but the Bible said there was a paralytic man. He could not walk, and there were four friends. Each of them got in the corner of that stretcher, and they took him to Jesus when they get there, the whole place was crowded. It was like coming to church, man, you just couldn't get in. They couldn't get to Jesus. There's a little house, and they couldn't get in. The crowd was too big. And they could have turned to their friends and said, man, sorry, next time. You know, man, maybe we'll get here early, you know. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll register before we get here. I don't know. But, but thank God, these four guys, the Bible says they saw, they saw a stairway to the top of the roof and said, let's take, they, let's take the stairway. And they take the stairway and what they do is they begin to tear the roof apart and they lower the man right where Jesus is at. Now, I don't know who paid for the roofing repair, but, but here's what Jesus says. The Bible said Jesus saw their faith. He didn't see the man's faith. He saw their faith. And he told that man, your sins are forgiven. What, what, get up and begin to walk. And that man got up and walked. They lend that man their faith that day. And he got a miracle. How many times this morning have you been in a situation? And I don't believe it. Let me just say that it's too coincidental to be a coincidence. If you're there at that time, at that place, at that situation... Maybe you were the missing piece that was supposed to be there that day that was supposed to offer hope to that person that day. I can't tell you how many times in my life I got the text right at the right time. Someone inboxed me and said, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Someone said, gave me a word of encouragement. Man, it just changed my whole perspective. 
It was at the right place at the right time, the right moment. It made a difference. They were the missing piece. You're that missing piece many times. You're significant. You're the one piece. You saw that puzzle. As, one, as awesome as it was, one piece is missing. Just incomplete. Because one matters. You're that one that matters. Here's what I want to say. And if you want to read the end of the story, the Bible says that Naaman gets to the prophet. And the prophet of God tells him, go wash in the Jordan River seven times. There's a whole other story about that. And Naaman does as the prophet tells him because the little girl had given him the message. And he listened to that little girl. Why would a general listen to a little girl? Maybe, maybe, maybe her testimony brought credibility to her, to her life. See, people are watching you. And as significant as you think you are, you're making impact. You're making influence. Even a general was willing to listen to that little girl. And he goes to the prophet, and the prophet says, go to the Jordan River and wash seven times. And guess what happened? After he dipped himself seven times, and girls, you're going to be jealous. He had skin like a baby. That's right. And I know some of you, you're in the lotion, Neutrogena, all this stuff. You, you, huh? Your skin is still the same, but hers, no, it looks better. But her, him, he, he had skin like a little baby. My goodness, he was healed. And God gave him new skin. Hallelujah. That's the power and the miracle of God today. Because there was one piece, one girl that made a difference. Your life is that one piece somebody else needs. You're that one piece right now at your job and your community, wherever you're in your family. You could be the link to your whole family coming to Christ. You could be the link to your community, your friends. Because you spoke up. Because you decided to offer hope to a hopeless situation. Even when you had some hopelessness in your life, you gave the hope. You lend them your faith and it changed their life. I'm here today to lend you my faith. I'm here to lend you my faith this morning. I want to tell you today, I've gone through some a lot of things in my life. But I'm here to tell you, God is still good and he's still faithful. I want to lend you my faith. Some of you need to lend others your faith this morning. Why don't we bow our heads today in reverence to God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God. One makes a difference. One piece of the puzzle makes a difference today. I pray today, Lord God, that people would realize how significant and how important they are. That they are the one piece many times to someone else's miracle to someone else's healing, to somebody else's restoration. Their life matters. And God, as insignificant as this little girl was, oh, she was so significant in your eyes. God, today, your people are so significant, they don't even realize it. Perhaps you're here in this room and you don't know the Lord as your Savior today. You've never given your life to Jesus, or perhaps you did it at one time, but today you're far away from God. You're so significant to God. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his God gave his son for you because you're that important. You're that valuable to him. Every soul is important. Every person in this room is important. God loves you today. He's reaching out to you today. You're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. It's too coincidental to be a coincidence. God's reaching out to you today. And maybe you're online as well. If you're here right now, say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need Jesus in my life. 
Raise your hand right now. We, we don't want you to leave this room without him. If you're online, let us know. Say, I need Christ in my life. I'm not here to embarrass anyone. I'm not here to shame you. I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to lend you my faith to tell you today that God's the answer for you. He's the answer you're looking for. It's right in front of you. Raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life right now. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Just raise it up real quick and put it right back down. Anyone at all right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, people praying. Anybody right now just need the Lord in your life, raise your hand. Let us know online. Maybe you were once walking with God, but you're away from God today. You need to come back. You're important. Raise your hand. Who are you? Raise your hand. Who are you right now? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Holy Spirit, we thank you today. Why don't we stand together? We're running out of time, but I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to tell you today that you're that one piece of the puzzle. I don't care how insignificant you feel. I don't care how much you think. You don't have a title. You don't have a position. You don't have any accolade. You don't have any accomplishments. Man, you're, you're not at the top of your game. Oh, I'm here to tell you, you are so, you are so significant, significant to God. You're so important to God. You're, you're a word of hope. Your word of faith can change somebody's life today. I want you to realize that every person in this room. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.